MNK Talk YA now presents Everlist Part 2 of the Everlist Duology by Sarah Holland. MK Talk YA. I'm Katie Bradford. And I'm Marissa Snyder. And this week in our Young Adult Fiction Podcast, we finished the first book in the Everless duology by Sarah Holland, which is called Everless. <laughs> it has the same name as the series, which is very helpful. <laughs> and okay, so when we were first talking about this book, uh, Sarah Holland said that she described it in six words, and one of them was twisty. And we finally got a little bit of that twist at the end of this book, didn't we? We did. Did you see it coming? Not at all. Yeah, I didn't either. (laughs) I was completely blindsided. (laughs) Which is always good on the one hand, but also I like had to go back and read some stuff because I was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) And I like totally skipped over the whole where they were talking about the legend of like the sorceress and the alchemist. I like kind of skimmed that because I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then all of a sudden it was really important. And I was and I had to go back and like reread all that stuff because it became like a main focus of the book. Well, and I think there's a typo in my book, actually, because so when I went back to read it, I like understood what they were trying to say, but there was something that I, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like a name was wrong or a reference was wrong oh, no. and they were talking about, okay, so the, the legend is the alchemist and the sorceress used to be buddies and they were like these immortal beings that wandered around as friends and then someone wanted to take their power and be immortal, right? Yeah. Is that where it started? So they got locked up, and the alchemist found a way to turn their blood into, like, basically the world that we're in now. Mm-hmm. Where the blood iron. The blood and the coins, which turns into time or whatever. So he, like, came up with this plan to free them, but didn't tell the sorceress that it would take her immortality. And then right? she got mad. Yeah, but I'm still, like, so confused. I'm like, well, what was she doing while they were locked up in this prison? <laughs> Just being immortal. Oh, just being immortal. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I think he... Well, the, there was a part where the alchemist was trying to trick her into, like, swallowing the 12 stones and then stole her heart. And then the sorceress was like, oh, I don't believe you. I think you're lying. So she made the alchemist swallow the 12 stones instead. And so now the alchemist has her heart. But she had already whispered a word into his ear, which somehow gave him her heart. And the reason she didn't trust him is because he had tricked the person who had locked them up in the first place. Right. And that's where I got confused because somewhere in that story, like the alchemist and the person who locked them up, I don't even remember who it was. Like, a, I feel like it was like a, I don't even remember. Um, but the alchemist, oh yeah, this, okay. So in my book, they're talking about how the alchemist and the sorceress were friends. And then it says, but the alchemist who lived at this estate grew jealous. So he imprisoned them here and demanded they discover a way to make him immortal as he'd seen the sorcerers do with flowers and trees. So did the alchemist lock them up or was there a third person who locked both of them up? I guess it was the alchemist. And that's why she didn't trust him, maybe. But then that's where I got confused because then later there's a lord. So I thought that was a typo and it was supposed to be the lord who lived at the estate locked both of them up. And that's where I was like all confused. I was like, I don't even know who locked who up. (laughs) (laughs) What page is it on? It's on page 56 of my hardback book. 
Oh, I have a hardback book too. I wonder if mine has the same typo. It's like the second paragraph from the bottom on page 56. Or maybe I'm just not understanding properly. Well, I I did like the part. Okay, I have the right book now. I did like the part about how she, the sorceress, forced the alchemist to swallow 12 stones. And we learned that Ina and Jules are like descendants of the alchemist. So like, and they were both born with stones in their mouths. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Okay. Um, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Okay. So I looked I looked up something related to that. This is, I told you my research this week is very sketchy, but I just have to tell you, I don't even know what I started searching, but I was looking <laughs> up like legends with stones and swallowing stones and life and I don't know. So I, I came across the story of the most prolific cannibal that ever lived. <laughs> prolific cannibal? Yeah, he's eaten more people than any other cannibal in history. Oh my god! Who is it? It is, his name is Ratu Udri Udri, and he was a chief from Rakiraki in the northern area of Fiji's largest island. Oh my god. Um, And he, I guess he kept stones to tally all the bodies he ate. Mm. And so sometime after he died, he died around 1840, I think, and in 1849 there was this missionary, Richard Leith, who discovered the chief's tomb and there was a row of 872 stones with a lot of gaps that looked like stones had been removed. Oh my god. So he talked to one of Udri Udri's sons and his son like assured this missionary guy that his dad ate all of those humans and he added a stone for every time he ate one and according to him According to the son, he ate all of them himself, and it was all he ate. He ate nothing but human flesh. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So he... How many people did he eat? So estimates put it somewhere between 872 and 999 <gasps> people in his lifetime. How did he get these people? I guess in battle. Oh and God. people who fought alongside him would also give them their victims for whatever reason. And if he couldn't finish someone in a sitting, he would preserve them in a box. So he always had like a steady supply of human flesh to eat. No. Yeah. Isn't there, can't you get, um, there's like a disease that you can get from eating humans. Oh, I think if you Probably. just eat their brains, you can get like a nervous, like a nervous system disease. Oh, it's called Kuru. And to be fair, I didn't read a ton of detail but yeah, the villagers nearby believe that his spirit still resides there and they'll warn people to stay away. But he, I don't know if this was a true fact or like a funny line fact, but according to this article, he is named in the Guinness World Records as the most prolific cannibal. Oh my God, that's so terrifying. That's so crazy that he ate nothing but human flesh. You'd think that like that wouldn't be able to sustain you. Like you wouldn't get enough vitamins or nutrients from it, right? Yeah. And I don't know if I believe that. Like, I get that that was the impression. He, but that's like his son talking about this warrior chief. Like, I don't know. He's got to have eaten something else, right? I don't know. Well, there's an article that I just saw that said, is it possible to be a healthy cannibal? Question marks. Oh. <laughs> is it? I don't know if I want to read this. <laughs> I don't think I don't think we should. This is getting too weird. Anyways, this was a weird legend too, and I was trying to look up stories about swallowing stones and long life, and I ended up somewhere completely different. <laughs> we ended up with cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I was kind of strangely fascinated. Like, at least if you're going to be a cannibal, you might as well be the most prolific cannibal there ever was. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to do it, go go all the way. Was there cannibalism in this book? I can't remember. Well, no, not <laughs> specifically. But there were there was talk about if the queen, who we thought was... Well, we knew the queen was living for a really long time. Talk of the queen eating children's hearts to stay alive. So that wasn't ever proven, and that's not fully cannibalism, I suppose. I don't know how that works, but does that even count as cannibalism if you just eat a heart? Yeah. I don't, I didn't know if it had to do with flesh. What, is it just man-eater? I think that, I think that counts as cannibalism. I think if you eat any part of a human, that's cannibalism. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I would define it anyway. I don't know. (laughs) If you, if you eat, like, fingernail clippings, you wouldn't be a cannibal. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what if you eat your own fingernail clippings? Because there are people who do that. Does that count as cannibalism if you eat yourself? I don't think so. Okay, good. Has anyone ever <laughs> had to do that to survive eating part of their own body? I don't want to know. Why are we down? Okay. <laughs> Back to the topic at hand. Um, okay. <laughs> wait, did you ever find out if you have the same typo? Or the yes, same? I do, actually. It says the same thing. The alchemist imprisoned them in a tower, but then it talks about the cruel lord. Yeah. So I got really confused the first time I read it, and then I reread it, and I assumed that that was a typo, and it was the lord who enslaved them. But I could be... Maybe it's written properly, and I just don't get it. I don't think I get it either. And then I don't really get why this... I get the sorceress wanted to live forever, but it kind of sounds like the alchemist helped them escape, and like it sort of seems like she needs to let it go. <laughs> Yeah, and he didn't tell her that his way of getting them to escape cost her immortality. And yeah. that's, she was like felt betrayed by him or whatever. I mean, and he should have told her. But <laughs> it also feels like something you can get past. I don't know. It's weird that she was immortal and he wasn't too. Well, yeah, and it said something about unlike the alchemist, she loved the life in the world and didn't want to leave it. So... I don't know why he was so... That kind of makes he it did. sound like he, he was... Yeah, I don't know if there, there's got to be more to the story for why he was willing to take her... Like, there has to be more to the story. Especially now that we know that Jules is the alchemist reincarnated. Yeah, that was huge. And Ina is her sister. Yeah. So there was like a twin, I guess. They were both born with stones in their mouths. So And so I think it's really cool that Jules is like a reincarnation of the alchemist and she's lived like many many past lives with different protectors i love that i did too and like her first incarnation was antonia and that's why she sees that book remember with Mm -hmm. antonia ivera on it and she finds like pictures that she drew um so that was like a pretty big surprise and then the other big surprise was we learned that the queen is not the sorceress. Caro yeah. is the sorceress. And the queen was just like a puppet this whole time. And she is now dead, as is Rowan. Yeah, uh, that was also shocking. Did not expect Rowan to die. Well, and I expected him to be more betrayy. Yeah. I, I honestly, maybe this is just something about what we read and the kind of people I, or kind of person I've become, but I... It wasn't enough for me to find out that Liam wasn't as bad as he seemed. I was waiting for Rowan to also be worse than he seemed. Right. And Rowan was just kind of useless. Like, I kind of like that, that, like, the women are the ones running the show and, like, the guys are kind of just, they're not doing much right now. True. Although he was, he did not love his fiance and he was having 
um, he was hanging out with other servants in a sketchy way, right? Oh, yeah. Bia? Bia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally caught that whenever Jules says that he smells like lavender and then realizes that Ina smells like roses, not lavender. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, he's stepping out on his fiance. But then he also says that he liked Jules and kisses her. I know. I'm like kind of confused. I'm like, so, but now that he's dead, I'm curious. Like, I don't have enough to like really dislike him, but I still have enough to question him. Yeah. I did like at the end, though, when Carol was saying that um, in order to get her heart back, uh, so that's the whole thing, like the alchemist Mm -hmm. stole the sorceress's heart, and now the sorceress wants her heart back, and to get it, she has to break Jules's heart to like get Mm -hmm. her own heart back. And I got really angry at first whenever she like brought Roan out as like the bait almost, and she was like, you won't know brokenness until the person you love most dies in your arms, and she kills Roan. And Jules is like, I didn't really love him that much. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this isn't the thing that's gonna break me. Cause, and I was, I was glad that happened because as soon as Caro said that, I was like, Are you kidding me? Like, Rowan cannot be the person she loves the most. Like, her father already died. Like, clearly, she would love him more than Rowan. Yeah. Like, they have absolutely no. We didn't see any time that they spent together to like develop a romance. It was just like, Oh, I knew you when we were children. Yeah, they needed to have more there for it to hurt to lose yeah so now i'm just curious because (sighs) and she's come into her power a little bit more she understands how to like push her freezing of time ability out and liam is helping her right he helps her get away and yeah and we and caro doesn't know that they're that she's their sisters yet right no i don't think so and okay so you said it so were they real? Were they both born with stones in their mouth, or they were born twins, and one of them had the stone in the mouth, and she thinks it's the wrong one? Oh, maybe it was just Jules. I mean, there was the oh, you know what? Maybe it is just Jules because the legend was that Ina was born with a stone in her mouth, and that's maybe why the queen wanted to take one of the babies because mm-hmm. she thought that she had she was the alchemist, and she just took the wrong one. Yeah, or they hid Jules first or whatever so was the queen being mind controlled the whole time by caro i don't know how much of the time because that's the other thing like where does this mind control come into play and like i don't know how she was really using the queen to gain power well it seems like the queen really was like as the legend said the one who like conquered all you know defended the kingdom or whatever yeah she was the real warrior and then Kara just got close to her and let and found out that as long as she, she could manipulate the queen, that was good enough for power. Yeah, because she the whole thing was like, being a servant makes me invisible, no one notices me, so I can actually get away with quite a lot. And that's why no one was allowed to touch the queen, because they'd find out how cold she was? Because she was dead, really? I don't know. I, like, that's the whole thing that's a little foggy to me. And when the queen left all the time, why did they send the queen away? Yeah, they sent her away with Ina a lot. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, and we found out that, well, I guess this is all related, but Jules tried to use her, turn her blood into the coins or whatever, and she choked Caro oh, right, when she did right. that, and she found out that she had, like, unlimited t- So she, does she have immortality? I, but not really? I'm, I'm kind of confused. That's true. And, okay, so the whole thing was that Caro was conspiring with Ivan right and made it seem like Ivan was arresting her and like sentenced her to have 40 years drained 
And so I think Cairo did that knowing that Jules would go try and draw blood to save her, right? Mm-hmm. It's Because that was like all set up by Caro and Ivan. And so I, was it just to prove that Jules was the alchemist? Like, why did she set her up? Yeah, I think she wanted to see if she was the alchemist because it sounds like in multiple lives she's discovered her, which is also why I'm like, why are yeah. her protectors... I feel like you need a different strategy here. They're not doing a very good job of protecting her. Well, and it's not even that. Like, I'm sure the queen's good at what she does, but not telling Jules who she is or what she can do probably isn't helping. Right. She could have just ran away and, like, lived her best life far, far, far away. If she understood, yeah. Like, just telling her, don't talk to the queen, and then dying isn't really a good protection plan. True. (laughs) And also, so... Back to your question, she gets, Jules gets her blood drawn, it doesn't really work, the candle doesn't flicker out and die like it's supposed to, to get your blood measured. So does that mean that she's immortal? That's a good question. She does, seems to have endless time. Okay, because Liam predicts that when the alchemist gave the sorceress the 12 stones and told her to swallow it, that's when the sorceress doesn't believe the alchemist and forces the alchemist to swallow it and drowns the alchemist. Mm-hmm. Which again, the sorceress seems... Like, the bad guy in this story, but... Yeah, agreed. Um, but anyways, the Liam's prediction is that he actually was giving her immortal life by swallowing the 12 stones, and now the alchemist has it, but it's a weird kind of immortal life where you just keep coming back to life every time you die. But without your memories, it seems. Yeah, but they're also kind of there. Yeah, because she, like... She's, like, able to access them. Yeah, she gets, like, glimpses of it. Once she knows how, Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. And how do you, what do you make of the, um, that place that she goes to? Yeah, I was just trying to remember the name of that. I forgot to write it down. The town that's like 12 hours off of the rest of the world. Yeah, Briarsmore. Briarsmore. So this is where she was born. And she meets a woman there named Rin. And Rin is like trapped in a weird time loop, it seems. Yeah, it totally reminded me a little bit of our last book. <laughs> yeah, we're in the Muse of Nightmares. Yes. But yes. Agreed. Without saying too much, in case people haven't read it, but yeah. So Jules and Ina are the children of Naomi and Ezra, and Ezra was a man who was obsessed with time and dark magic, and they said that like he was cursed and time did strange things when he was around, and then they died, and then they died in a fire. Yep. <sighs> yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> so so Jules is the the man who raised Jules, the blacksmith. That was actually her uncle. Oh, I think I even missed that. I didn't even realize they were actually related at first. Oh, yeah, I do remember that now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're right. It's her uncle. And the... Uh, okay. It's kind of coming together. <laughs> well, it, I mean, and I think we said this last time, I do like the pacing a lot because it feels like one of those later YA books, but so much is happening in every, like, scene and chapter, which yeah. I don't feel like we always get. So that's been nice. It's been hard for me to keep up with, but it's been nice from a plot moving forward standpoint. Yeah, it's definitely easy to read, but I wish it wasn't so hard to follow sometimes. Yeah. And to your point, like, I wish that it was a little bit more, a little bit more twisty. Like, the one thing that bothered me was I really thought we were going to learn more about Liam and Roan when they were younger and, like, who pushed who into the forge. Yeah. And we learned that Liam actually did push Roan into the forge. He just didn't mean to hurt him. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of lame because I was like, oh, I thought it was going to be like Jules's memory was completely messed up and like there was a reason that he pushed him into the forge or maybe it was Roan who pushed Liam into the forge, but that was just kind of a letdown. 
I know. I was expecting more from it, too. Or that he pushed him for... Yeah. But we did learn that she rewound time. Not just slowed it down or stopped it, but she... Right, she rewound it. And that's why Liam sent her away. Not because she knew what he did, but he saw that she could stop time and he knew she wouldn't be safe at Everless. So he was always trying to help her. Okay, but I still have a question. So he's like this scholarly person, but I still don't get why if he was the firstborn son of this family that he wasn't the one being married off and I don't know like that he didn't have to you know I don't know I still feel like I'm still confused why his family's embarrassed by him or whatever is going on (laughs) that's a good question and like what's gonna happen to Ina now because she's not she isn't the alchemist but does the queen think she still is and I mean I know the queen's dead but like I think like at the end well, the queen's dead, so Ina, does that mean Ina becomes the new queen? Because Caro can't just be like, surprise, I'm actually the queen. Oh, that must be it. And so then Caro's going to try and control Ina from now on? I guess. Because Jules was like, I have to go back and free Ina. And I was like, from what? <laughs> I guess from Caro. Yeah. At some point, I feel like Caro has to realize that she cares about her sister, Ina, right? Isn't that going to be that what she thinks is going to break her heart if she figures it out? I guess. It's really all she has left. That's the thing. I was like, she's already lost so much. Like, shouldn't she already be broken? Like, I don't know. You'd think you would love your father who raised you more than a girl you just found out was your sister. Also, maybe instead of, like, killing people, you should befriend the alchemist in one of these lives and just ask them to help restore your yeah, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> just be like, hey, can I please, pretty please have my heart back? Thank you. Like, like especially <laughs> if they don't remember things from before, be like, hey, I know this is kind of crazy, I've changed. You're the alchemist. <laughs> Help me out. <laughs> Let's be friends. But does Jules even know how to give her heart back? That's the thing. I mean, that's true, I guess. Because, yeah. like, I, she probably would if she knew how. She'd be like, here, take this gross thing. I don't even... I don't, even <laughs> I don't, want, I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, please don't reincarnate me anymore. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot. I'm, I'm also curious with all these protectors and stuff. I hope in the next book we see more of her different lives and some people who know that the sorceress is hunting for like I hope we like uncover this society of protectors who fill in some blanks (laughs) yes I totally agree it would be nice to get glimpses of Jules's past lives because maybe that will reveal some secrets or just more information and is that why they've been do you think all the other times that they had an heir that didn't make it to adulthood do you think she guessed right the first time Those are all alchemist reincarnations? I guess so. I don't know. I'm so, I still, and again, I don't, yeah. Lots of questions. I guess we have another book to get some answers. (laughs) Yeah, and how does she keep dying, right? Who, Jules? Or the? Yeah, because if she keeps being reincarnated, like, you have to die first, right? And what life is she on? Because doesn't she have 12? Yeah, I was curious about that too. (laughs) Why does she, why did she assume that killing her isn't going to be the answer? Unless she doesn't know about the st- unless she hasn't put the connection together that Liam has but otherwise why not just kill her 12 times and then assume you get your heart back why do you think you have to break her heart all of a sudden where did this idea come it, from where do these rules come from <laughs> do you want to all right do you want to hear my research yes I do my research was a little strange too so I just researched fun facts about time that is awesome I, lo- I looked up the thing I really looked up was facts about time zones Mm. but you tell your stuff first okay okay this is interesting is this about you know this this idea like I understand it but it still weirds me out when I think about how 
Like if someone left Earth and was traveling in space, that like time would pass differently. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they were gone for a certain amount of time, that doesn't mean that's how long they were out there. That's one of these. How, talk about that. Okay, so it's because the faster you move, the slower time goes. So according to the laws of physics, you will actually age more slowly if you travel extremely fast. So if you were to fly at 99% of the speed of light, and let's say you were going to the star Sirius, that's the case that they present, you would have aged less than two and a half years on arrival, but the people on Earth would have aged more than 17 years. So I feel like there's got to be some theory about like, you go and spend three hours in a super fast thing that moves you in circles and the speed of light and and it reduces it like <laughs> helps your wrinkles you <laughs> <laughs> I don't know well they say that um Einstein's theory of relativity states that the closer one is to earth the slower time goes by so a year goes by 15 microseconds faster at the top of Mount Everest than it does at sea level oh like all that stuff just like when I think about it my brain hurts I know. The smallest measurement of time is called a Planck. Ooh, that's cool. It takes, this is nuts, it takes about 550,000 trillion, trillion, trillion Planck times to blink. Oh my goodness. That's the smallest measurement of time. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I can't even imagine. This is actually interesting. So there is something called the oddball effect. Have you heard of that? No, I don't think so. So the so you know the time phrase, time flies when you're having fun? Yes. So it's actually, the opposite is true. It's, kind of, it's proven that new memories or exciting memories actually register longer in your brain than like a routine mundane task. So time lengthens in our minds when we are in phases of enjoyment and time shortens in our minds or compresses during times of stress how how do they test these things how do they know that so they um there was a study where participants watched a computer monitor flash the same image of a shoe multiple times followed by a picture of a flower just once and even though the images were shown for the same amount of time a lot of almost everyone believed that the flower was shown on screen for longer interesting So it was like the novelty of seeing a flower versus something mundane like a shoe gave the people's brains something new to process, and it made it seem like time was expanded when they were viewing it. The brain is so interesting. But this is like, you know how, this is crazy, but you know how, um, I don't know if you feel this way, but I felt that like ever since I finished college and started working, that time has just gone so fast. Versus, like, when we were kids and we were in school, time seemed to go so much slower. I used to think it was just a relativity thing. Well, it's based on this theory, the oddball effect, because they're saying, like, when we were kids, our lives were really exciting because we were learning new things and we were Mm. experiencing a lot of things. And it's a time of, like, personal growth. So, like, everything's new. And so in our minds, that time has become lengthened because it was fun. Everything was, like, unique. And now that we're adults, our lives are just stressful and monotonous. (laughs) And so it goes by extremely quickly. That's interesting. Hmm. And that's so scary because I read that and I was like, that's so true. 
I always thought it had something to do with, and this isn't based on science at all. This is just me making up things that made sense <laughs> in my brain. But like, you know, if you're a kid between the ages of like five and 10, that's half of your life at the time. So it's like, oh yeah, I this is, I just experienced half of my life and I can think back to the last five years. Whereas now if I think back mm. to the last five years, it's like a sixth of my life or something. So it's yeah. like, you know, I've got more time outside of that window than it used to be outside of that one. I don't know if that makes sense. But I guess the science is probably more reliable than my random idea. I guess so. <laughs> so if we made our lives super exciting, would it slow down like in childhood? Yeah, it would. So that's the key to having a longer life is to just do new things all the time. I like it. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm trying to think of other, okay, some other fun facts. Can I just tell my boss, like, oh, I can't run that report this month. It's slowly <laughs> Sorry. making me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the longest living mammal on Earth. I guess this is related to time. It's the bowhead whale, also known as the Arctic whale. It is one of the longest living mammals on Earth. The oldest whale is at least 211 years old. Wow. Isn't that nuts? That's crazy. Yeah. That's what, I don't even get why the sorceress wants to live forever. What does she want to do? That's a very good question. Is she just scared to die? Because she doesn't even seem to have any friends or anything. She's tied to the earth, and she never wants to leave it. Sounds terrible. Yeah. Oh, how about this? Okay. In 2011, it was estimated that 250 babies are born every minute around the world. So how many? Every 250. Wow. So that means every second, there are four babies born. That's a lot of babies. And every second, two people die. So 105 people die per hour. So no wonder we're having population issues. Ooh, by the time you turn 70, your heart will have beat 2.5 billion times. That's a lot of times. I know. On average, your heart beats more than 100,000 times per day. Oh, this is funny. Okay, so I also tried to research time, like instances of people selling time. In 1836, there was a businessman named John Belleville, and he set his pocket watch every morning at the Green Greenwich Observatory where he worked, and he would sell precise time to clients in the city. That's awesome. I know. <laughs> I know. Who would have thought of that? That's the only thing I could think of, or the only thing I could find about selling time. Well, you'd have to be pretty... Well, people believe a lot of weird things, I guess. Never mind. Yeah, so those are my fun facts about time. I mean, when you think about it, people sell time in all kinds of ways, especially in like the service industry or products that are supposed to save time. That's true. Basically, you're giving people, like, even when you hire a plumber to do something that would take you an hour to do, you're basically paying to get that hour of time to not do plumbing yourself, right? Yeah. Time is money. Yep. Literally in this book. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad it's not. So what did you learn about time zones? Okay, although this is my other question. So they have to keep, like, they have to buy food with these money time coins. But if they didn't buy food and they just kept their time, would they just, lit like, can you starve to death? Yeah. Can you run out of time if you don't run out of time? Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you can. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> so, like, because whenever Jules gets those um, time coins or whatever, the blood iron, uh-huh. I was, like, mad at her because I was like, why don't you just stuff them in your mouth immediately? Like, that's what I would do. I know. Well, especially the food thing was really getting me. I was sort of like, okay, how do you die if you just keep getting time? Can't you just keep living? But then I was thinking about, oh, I guess if it's in your blood, someone could, like, stab you or shoot you or something where you bleed out and that would run out your time. That would kill you. But, yeah, what about starvation? But what about, like, starvation or other things? And then if you can't starve to death, 
why are all these people spending money and time on food? It's a very good question. But maybe you would just like starve until you run out of time, which would, you know, like kind of like in this, like dying multiple times or, you know, like suffering that bad, but just you wouldn't actually die. I don't know. I feel like this story is not meant to have holes poking in it. Like as soon as you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as soon as you start questioning it, it really starts to fall apart. But yeah. <laughs> I can appreciate the, the theory behind it. Yeah. As long as we don't ask too many questions. <laughs> Do you want to hear some fun facts about time zones? Yeah. Okay. Do you guess which country has the most time zones? Mm. It has 12, if that helps you. 12? Wow. I don't know. It's not ours. It's France, believe it or not. No way. Because even though metropolitan France has one time zone, they have all of the overseas territories or whatever that technically raise their tally to 12. Oh, I get it. But Russia and the U.S. come in a close second, and there's 11 time zones in both of them. So hmm, Interesting. Yeah. The U.S. is also kind of like France. They have five on like the mainland, the North American part, and then the other are made up of islands and territories. But Russia has 11 next to each other. <laughs> but also a fun fact about Russia... Basically, Russia just, like, got rid of some time zones one day, like, overnight. I wish we would do that. The government wanted more people on Moscow time or closer to Moscow time. Mm. Yeah, in 2011, he wiped out two time zones. And in 2015, he moved a different clock forward two years. This is Putin. (laughs) To put it in sync with Moscow. So that's kind of interesting. I would love to get away with daylight savings time. There's also an 8.2 acre island in the Baltic that has two time zones, <laughs> even though nobody lives there. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So technically it's divided between Sweden and Finland, who have two different time zones. So that is part of it. And then in Arizona, so I know, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, Arizona doesn't do daylight saving time. And I, that's where I am now. So it's been very confusing for me whenever I talk to anyone out of the state. But I didn't know this, or I had forgotten at least, in Tuba City, which is part of the Navajo Nation in Arizona. The Navajo observe daylight saving time, but Arizona doesn't. So for half the year, half the town is an hour ahead of the rest of the town. Oh, that's stupid. (laughs) I always wonder that, like, where's the border of time zones? And like, what if you go to school across the border or something? And it's like, when you come home, you have an extra hour or something. Well, it's interesting because some big countries... I think in part for that reason, I know in India it had to do with like uh, the railroad system, Mm. but India has one time zone for the whole nation and so does China. So it'll be like, so you'd think of noon as like when the sun is directly ahead, but in China it could be anywhere from like 3 p.m. or 11 a.m. when the sun is directly ahead because they're all in the same time zone. Oh, A lot of countries don't do daylight savings time, so that's cool. Oh, there's this one border where if you cross it, I think it's between, it's between, oh, Afghanistan and China, I think it is. There's a 47-mile boundary, and it has to do with how China doesn't adjust the time zone across, but so there's, if you cross that line, you jump three and a half hours one way or the other, but that border's been closed for a long time. Oh, that's nuts. There's also these weird islands that change time instead of by the hour by or not even islands these certain places in the world that'll change by the half hour or something but there's this island in australia lord howe island that puts its clock back by a half hour like during their daylight savings time so it's not just off by a half hour all the time from everything else which is what some time zones are it's actually half of the year 
a half hour ahead and half of the year the same time as Australia. Oh, that'd be way too confusing. All of this sounds so confusing. Oh, this one's great. In Samoa, in 2011, the nation skipped an entire day. So Friday, December 30th, 2011, did not exist in the country. What? Why? They they instituted the change to separate the nation from its trading past with the U.S. and to improve its working relationships with closer countries like Australia, China, and Singapore that were all on the same GMT time zone. So I guess it that must have something to do with where the international dateline is or something. But yeah, so they just switched over. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Australia once and I remember being very disoriented because I like lost a whole day. And I was thinking like, thank God I'm going back so I can gain that day back. But if people just move to Australia permanently and don't ever leave again, it's like they <laughs> did lose an entire day of their lives. Well, okay, so it's annoying to do the daylight saving stuff, but do you think it would be weirder to like, travel like if I was where you are and it was 7 30 or yeah 7 30 at night but it was as dark as it is there or something like do you think that would be weirder to be like on the same time zone but just have it be like a completely different like to have 6 a.m not mean morning basically or you know what I mean that'd be very very disorienting yeah Hmm. well I'm hoping that well when when do when will we only be an hour apart again in October yeah when that falls back oh shit Oh, we have so long. I know, it's so confusing. (laughs) Well, post-wedding, I'll just have more flexibility and I'll come home and talk to you. (laughs) Okay. All right, so what was your favorite scene in this book so far? I think it would be crossing that barrier to Briarsmore. Is that what mm-hmm. it's called? And watching the like daylight switch to or nighttime switch to daylight or whatever it was that happened on the border and seeing this town that's frozen in time and I don't know. I think maybe that scene. What about you? I did like that part. I also really liked the part when she goes into the vaults. Oh yeah. She like finally makes her way into the girling vault and she finds that book with Antonia on it and she finds all the pictures that she draws and she almost like goes into a trance. And she starts scribbling the name Briarsmore into the book, like as if she's possessed. I just love that. I like that idea of like her being captured by this book that is like a moment. It's like one of her past lives and she like feels this connection to it. And I just love the idea of her just like writing Briarsmore, 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 like in this book as fast as she can, like, but not knowing the connection, but it's just like she's almost taken over. Mm -hmm. I thought that was that was really cool. And then I got so mad at her because the guards come back for her and she like is very clever and like freezes time so she can get past the guard the guards, but then she leaves the book. I she, know. She like, forgets to bring the book and I was so mad at her. <laughs> I was mad about that too. I would never leave a book behind. <laughs> but I liked that um she was she kind of found the connection between what was it, the snake and the fox mm-hmm. and how the alchemist is the snake because he just kind constantly sheds lives like a skin yeah well I feel like now that she knows who she is she needs to go reread part of the book again also yeah and so do I because I need to refresh her on that legend <laughs> yeah I um uh, I did I liked the narration whenever she did freeze time and noticing things like shadows didn't move mm-hmm. or you know water stopped dripping or things like that that there was like a drop of sweat that froze and it was like sort of eerie yeah it was like hard to identify what was wrong like it's it's one of those things like it's so silent that you didn't even realize there was noise until it's so silent but it's mm-hmm. hard to or you know like those 
I like those descriptions every time she froze time, especially accidentally. I agree. And I'm curious to know what happens next. So it's set up pretty cool with Jules, like, has to go back to free everyone from Caro, but she can't let anyone get close to her because she knows that Caro's going to be looking for someone to break her heart with. Yep. And Liam helped her escape, but she left him behind. Yeah. I'm thinking she's going to go back to Briars more and try and get more answers, don't you? I mean, she needs more information. Either that or she's going to remember something else from a previous life and go and talk to someone who knew her. Oh, like one of her guardians? 18 years ago or something, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to know more about her past lives, how she died. Because also I'm curious, like, remember when the Times lender, Wick, I think his name was, he was like, no one can afford 40 years. I'm just, like, so curious about, like, how much time are you born with? Yeah, or does it just depend? And you're just playing with... Yeah, is it based off of, like, when you're gonna die, or... And how do you negotiate that? Yeah, I'm curious about that, too. I wonder if we'll learn more about that. And I also am curious if she can rewind time. Why couldn't she, like, unkill Rowan? Yeah. (laughs) Or or if she can at least figure out how to do that so that the next time... Caro tries to kill someone she loves, she can then rewind it. (laughs) I bet that's going to happen. I bet someone kills Ina, and then she manages to rewind time so that Ina doesn't actually die. That's my prediction. Yeah, but again, it's like I want that, but the other part, like, when things can be undone and the stake, messing with time is sort of like my issue with magic worlds where too much is possible, and it's like, okay, so I don't know. Yeah, it lessens the stakes. I'm cool with freezing time, but I'm not sure how I feel about being able to rewind time. But maybe we'll find out more what restrictions there are. Do you think we'll see Jules die and get reincarnated into another life? Like her 12th life? I would love to, which is why I don't think it's going to happen. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm too excited for that idea. And yeah. it would be really hard to find her again and if she has no memory. I, and it's only a two-book series. I think if it were a longer series, I'd maybe predict it. But I, I think this – I'm not – guessing that happens what do you think i agree i don't think we're gonna get another life there's it's not long enough yeah but that being said do we want to look at the next book evermore yeah let's do it okay i think it's my turn to read the inside cover perfect okay long ago i stole the sorceress's heart now she wants it back as a child jules ember was taught that the wicked alchemist stole the good sorceress's heart dooming her people to live and die by the time captured in their blood and preserved in their currency. While the rich thrive for centuries, the poor are lucky to scrape together a few years. But Jules has just learned the truth. She is the alchemist, and Caro, a woman who single-handedly murdered the queen and Jules' first love, Roan, in cold blood, is the sorceress. Now Caro will stop at nothing to destroy Jules and reclaim her heart. Forced to flee Everless, Jules must delve into the stories she once believed to be legends, but that she now recognizes are accounts of her own dangerous past. For it is only by piecing together the mysteries of her first life that Jules will be able to save the boy she's falling in love with and end the sorceress forever. Ooh, so I bet Liam's going to be the one that will break her. And she has to kill the sorceress, I guess. I would think right? so. Right? There's no, like, peaceful ending where she can just be like, let's agree to disagree and just not kill each other and you can live for a long time. And Right? I would think, yeah. I think it has to end with her dying. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm excited to see more of Liam. I'm curious about him. I know, he's, me too. He's definitely growing up. He's me. a little nerd. I like it. <laughs> Even though he did push his brother into the forge. On accident. I pulled my sister's arm out of her socket once on accident. I broke my sister's wrist. <laughs> see, it happens all the time. <laughs> no, accidents just happen. <laughs> um, should we read up to chapter up to chapter fifteen? 
Yep. That okay. sounds perfect. We're going to do that for next week, everyone. Alrighty. And in the meantime, you can email us at mnktalkya at gmail.com if you want to get in touch. Or you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at mnktalkya. And you owe me a joke. Um, Alright, so I have a t- actually, I have a time joke for you. Oh, perfect. Did you hear about the hungry clock? It went back four seconds. (laughs) (laughs) It's so stupid. (laughs) Did I ever tell you about my mother-in-law's haunted clock? No, I don't think so. She has a clock that hasn't been wound in like a million years and like by all means should not work. And every once in a while, it'll chime. Oh, man. It'll like ding. (laughs) (laughs) It's really creepy. That's awesome. All right. Bye, bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.